Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, June 18th, 2021. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, were some of the base encryption algorithms on cell networks deliberately nerfed? The first ever mass arrest of a ransomware gang? Proof that Google is working on a Find My Network rival? And of course, the weekend long read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. A bombshell new report says that cell network encryption, underpinning a lot of phone networks, was deliberately weakened by its original designers. Quoting Motherboard, A weakness in the algorithm used to encrypt cell phone data in the 1990s and 2000s allowed hackers to spy on some internet traffic, according to a new research paper. The paper has sent shockwaves through the encryption community because of what it implies. The researchers believe that the mathematical probability of the weakness being introduced on accident is extremely low. Thus, they speculate that a weakness was intentionally put into the algorithm. After the paper was published, the group that designed the algorithm confirmed this was the case. Researchers from several universities in Europe found that the encryption algorithm GEA1, which was used in cell phones when the industry adopted GPRS standards in 2G networks, was intentionally designed to include a weakness that at least one cryptography expert sees as a backdoor. The researchers said they obtained two encryption algorithms, GEA1 and GEA2, which are proprietary and thus not public from a source. They then analyzed them and realized they were vulnerable to attacks that allowed for decryption of all traffic. When trying to reverse-engineer the algorithm, the researchers wrote that, to simplify, they tried to design a similar encryption algorithm using a random number generator often used in cryptography and never came close to creating an encryption scheme as weak as the one actually used. Quote, In a million tries, we never even got close to such a weak instance, they wrote. This implies that the weakness in GEA1 is unlikely to occur by chance, indicating that the security level of 40 bits is due to export regulation. End quote. Researchers dubbed the attack Divide and Conquer and said it was rather straightforward. In short, the attack allows someone who can intercept cell phone data traffic to recover the key used to encrypt the data and then decrypt all traffic. The weakness in GEA1, the oldest algorithm developed in 1998, is that it provides only 40-bit security. That's what allows an attacker to get the key and decrypt all traffic, according to the researchers. A spokesperson for the organization that designed the GEA-1 algorithm, the European Telecommunications Standards Institute, admitted that the algorithm contained a weakness but said it was introduced because the export regulations at the time did not allow for stronger encryption. We followed regulations. We followed export control regulations that limited the strength of GEA-1. A spokesperson for the Institute told Motherboard in an email. Havard Radom, one of the researchers who worked on the paper, summed up the implications of this decision in an email to Motherboard. Quote, To meet political requirements, millions of users were apparently poorly protected while surfing for years, he said. End quote. Well, I guess this sort of news had to come sooner rather than later, and thankfully so, I suppose. Ukrainian police have arrested members of ransomware gang Klopp, marking what we believe is the first time that a national law enforcement agency has carried out mass arrests of such a gang. Quoting the Financial Times, 
The Ukraine National Police said in a statement on Wednesday that it had worked with Interpol and the U.S. and South Korean authorities to charge six members of the Ukraine-based Klopp hacker group, which it claimed had inflicted half a billion dollars in damages on victims based in the U.S. and South Korea. The move marks the first time that a national law enforcement agency has carried out mass arrests of a ransomware gang, adding to pressure on other countries to follow suit. Russia... A hub for ransomware gangs has been blamed for harboring cybercriminals by failing to prosecute or extradite them. Klopp is one of several ransomware cartels that seize a target's data, demanding a ransom to release it. The group has also increasingly threatened to leak sensitive information online if a target refuses to pay, a tactic known as double extortion. Recent targets have included oil company Shell and international law firm Jones Day, as well as several U.S. universities, including Stanford and the University of California. In most cases, the hackers wielded a vulnerability in a file transfer product run on Acelion to compromise their victims. The arrests come as ransomware has been thrust into the spotlight in recent weeks following a number of audacious attacks hitting critical infrastructure. Last month, hackers disrupted the Colonial Pipeline, supplying petroleum to much of the U.S. East Coast, an attack the White House has attributed to a Russian-based group. As a result, governments are under increasing pressure to curb the activities of cybercriminals. This week, U.S. President Joe Biden attended a summit in Geneva with Russia's President Vladimir Putin, in which both parties were expected to discuss the threat of ransomware, end quote. An APK teardown of a new version of Google Play Services suggests that Google is working to build an Android version of the device network like Apple's Find My network, quoting XDA developers. Google Play Services version 21.24.13 rolled out today in the beta channel, and after we decoded it, we discovered the following strings were added, and, well, click through to the piece to see the strings, which clearly suggests that Google is working on a Find My Device network leveraging Google Play Services to, quote, allow your phone to locate your and other people's devices, end quote. Google already has an app called Find My Device available on the Play Store, but it can only find devices that are signed into your Google account. If this Find My Device network goes live, then you'll be able to help other Android users locate their lost or stolen devices. Although Android can be found in many different types of devices, it's likely that a large percentage of the over 3 billion devices running the OS worldwide is made up of smartphones. The vast majority of Android smartphones sold outside of China have the Play Services app pre-installed, which could mean they'll be eligible to participate in the Find My Device network. For background, Google Play Services is one of the key components of Google Mobile Services, a suite of Google-made apps and services that the company distributes to smartphone makers seeking to sell an Android device. GMS also bundles the Play Store, the largest app store in the Android ecosystem. Device makers seeking to pre-install the Play Store on their Android devices must also include many of the other components of Google Mobile Services, including Google Play Services, among other apps." End quote. Delivery startup GoPuff, which frustratingly I still can't try out yet here in Brooklyn, has bought RideOS, which builds real-time routing and dispatch software for autonomous car fleets. Sources say the deal was for $115 million in cash and stock. RideOS was valued at $180 million in its most recent funding round, quoting Bloomberg. 
RideOS is one of the best mapping, dispatching, and technology firms, said Sharad Sundresen, GoPuff's senior vice president of product and growth, in a statement. Software for logistics and delivery has become in demand as companies try to make their fleets more energy efficient. Ford Motor Company on Thursday acquired a software startup that monitors and manages vans, trucks, and buses. Justin Ho, co-founder and CEO of RideOS, said in a statement that GoPuff's mission fits with the company's, quote, vision to build software that effectively and efficiently moves people and things around the world, end quote. GoPuff delivers thousands of products from ice cream to cleaning products for a flat fee. It's backed by firms including SoftBank's Vision Fund, D1 Capital Partners, Bally Gifford, Fidelity, and Accel. It was last valued at $8.9 billion, end quote. Want a better way to simplify your business finances across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting? If so, Ramp could be a complete game changer. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. Ramp gives finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spend. With Ramp, you're able to issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions and automate expense reporting so you can stop wasting time at the end of every month. Ramp's accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so you don't have to. You'll never have to chase down a receipt again, and your employees will no longer spend hours submitting expense reports. The time you'll save each month on employee expenses will allow you to close your books eight times faster. Ramp's also saves you money. Businesses that use Ramp save an average of 5% the first year. Ramp is easy to use. Get started, issue virtual and physical cards, and start making payments in less than 15 minutes, whether you have five employees or 5,000. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash techmeme. Ramp.com slash techmeme. R-A-M-P dot com slash techmeme. Guys, we don't have to choose between hair growth and our health. Nutrafol's drug-free, whole-body approach promotes hair growth from within. No compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement brand with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com men and enter the promo code RIDEHOME. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men, and enter promo code RIDEHOME. Time for the weekend long read suggestions, and first up, something that I had actually been wondering about. What with all the ransomware attacks lately, whither the cyber insurance industry... Well, quoting the Washington Post, 
The recent surge of ransomware attacks is upending the cyber insurance industry, pushing up the requirements and cost of coverage just as more companies need it. This is a tipping point this year, said John Kearns, an executive managing director at insurance brokerage Beecher Carlson, a division of Brown & Brown, which sells cyber insurance. I've been in business for 32 years and haven't seen a market quite like this, end quote. That is pushing insurance carriers to reevaluate how much coverage they can afford to offer and how much they have to charge clients to do so. Underwriters are demanding to see detailed proof of clients' cybersecurity measures in ways they never have before. For example, not using multi-factor authentication, which requires a user to verify themselves in multiple ways, might result in a rejection. The majority of insurance companies are raising premiums for plans that cover damage from hacks, including ransomware attacks. Prices for at least half of insurance buyers went up 10 to 30 percent in late 2020, according to a survey cited by the U.S. Government Accountability Office. In some some cases, annual premiums that companies are expected to pay have increased by as much as 50%, said Joshua Mata, founder of insurance tech company Coalition, end quote. Next, I've read various versions of this story over the years, but The Atlantic has a long, long read about the sad rise and fall of Kodak, which, if you weren't aware, if you think about it, was actually one of the premier U.S. tech companies of the 20th century, along with the likes of, say, IBM. Quote, Founded in 1880, Kodak invented the first easy-to-use consumer camera and thereby amateur photography. It achieved a near monopoly on the consumer film business, capturing the imagination of the entire world. It was Hollywood, and it was New York, and it was as grand as history. With a simple search, even a child can find images of Eastman hosting Thomas Edison nonchalantly in his backyard. The city where we stood was just another of his accomplishments. Eastman funded Rochester's colleges and its hospital system, its cultural institutions, its nonprofits, its parks, its suburban housing developments. In 1920, his free pediatric dental clinic removed the tonsils of 1,400 children in seven weeks. Even in 2003, when I made that class trip, we were encouraged to believe we should feel lucky that he had chosen Rochester to lavish his attention upon. Kodak was already past its prime when I visited the Eastman Mansion on my field trip all those years ago, though it reported $4.3 billion in gross profits that year. Since then, many of the buildings in the park have been rented out, sold off, or demolished. The company filed for bankruptcy while I was in college and rebounded slowly. In 2019, Kodak reported just $182 million in profits. Still, I'd read a few news items about Kodak pivoting, a funny word that makes spinning sound intentional, to pharmaceuticals. And as a journalist and an adult now, I had my chance. I emailed and asked to hear the story and was almost immediately told that I could come for a quick visit during a pandemic, end quote. On the Fresh Paint blog, an interesting bit of transparency from this Y Combinator alum They take you step-by-step through their $1.65 million seed round. And by that, I mean they literally take you through it day-by-day, introduction-by-introduction, check-by-check. Each startup, of course, is different and has different experiences. But if you want to see the nuts and bolts of what actually goes into raising a seed round and all the networks you need to tap, do check that out. From Politico, meet WuDao 2.0, unveiled by the Beijing Academy of Artificial Intelligence last week, a sophisticated AI language model claimed to be 10 times more powerful even than GPT-3. Today, I learned that lip-reading technology is something that might be just around the corner. Quoting Vice, 
It seems like a simple interaction, and in some respects, SRAVI, speech recognition app for the voice impaired, is still pretty simplistic. It can only recognize a few dozen phrases, and it does that with about 90% accuracy. But the app, which is made by the Irish startup Leopa, represents a massive breakthrough in the field of visual speech recognition, or VSR, which involves training AI to read lips without any audio input. It will likely be the first lip-reading AI app available for public purchase. Researchers have been working for decades to teach computers to lip-read, but it's proven a challenging task even with the advances in deep learning systems that have helped crack other landmark problems. The research has been driven by a wide array of possible commercial applications, from surveillance tools to silent communication apps, and improved virtual assistant performance, end quote. And today, I learned about the open-source matrix protocol, which is increasingly the tech that governments and spies are turning to to communicate securely with each other, which makes sense, as we've seen lately, that secure communication platform that you have been relying on might turn out to have some government or other behind it that you didn't know was responsible for the platform and was thus probably listening in all along. This is from Wired UK. Its name was Matrix.org, and conveniently, its core team was based in London and Brittany in France. Quote, it's a rare instance of the French and the English managing to work together, says Matrix co-founder Matthew Hodgson. He and fellow co-founder Amandine LaPape started working on the project in 2014 as employees of Israeli technology company Amdocs. They wanted to create a messaging system that was decentralized rather than run by one company, was secure by default, and able to potentially communicate with other chat platforms. We're probably the most successful attempt to build an open standard for this kind of communication, LePappy says. Everyone can run the Matrix protocol on their own servers and participate in conversations hosted on other servers if they so wish. In France's case, the government designed a system centered on multiple separate servers for each ministry, Hodgson says. And yet, everybody can still talk to everybody else. The decentralized architecture modeled after open-source software Git reduces the repercussions of technical incidents which remain confined to the specific affected servers while ensuring that the conversation goes on. Quote, there is never a single point of control or failure, end quote. Matrix's makeup has proved attractive for at least three more governments in addition to France. Security services and military organizations, including the German army, and tech corporations such as Mozilla. As of early 2021, Matrix was used by over 28 million accounts worldwide. And finally, as summer kicks off, and hopefully summer holidays and vacations finally return to our lives, Bloomberg Business Week has a profile of the secret SWAT team at Airbnb that swoops in to clean up nightmare Airbnb situations, Winston Wolf from Pulp Fiction style. Quote, The way Airbnb has handled crimes such as the New York attack, which occurred during a bitter regulatory fight, shows how critical the safety team has been to the company's growth. Airbnb's business model rests on the idea that strangers can trust one another. If that premise is undermined, it can mean fewer users and more lawsuits, not to mention tighter regulation. For all its importance, the safety team remains shrouded in secrecy. Insiders call it the black box. But eight former members and 45 other current and former Airbnb employees familiar with the team's role, most of whom spoke on condition of anonymity for fear of breaching confidentiality agreements, provided a rare glimpse into its operations and internal struggles. The job, former team members say, is a nerve-wracking one, balancing the often conflicting interests of guests, hosts, and the company. I had situations where I had to get off the phone and go cry, a former agent recalls. That's all you can do, end quote. 
big, big day today. My boy Max has a graduation from pre-K ceremony here in literally like 20 minutes, so I gotta get this out in a hurry. And of course, it's the old enemy, or the old enemy. I'm not gonna do the Scottish accent this time. It's the England-Scotland game this afternoon, which I am very much hyped for. Almost the definition of a derby match. Right Home Plus subscribers, this weekend you've got an interesting Gadgets episode coming to you. Actually, it should be up in a matter of hours. It's a wild one. Can I interest you in your own robot dog? No? How about a self-balancing electric bicycle? Tech.supercast.tech if you want to subscribe to Right Home Plus so you don't miss out on that. Talk to you on Monday.